So hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Sound Up Cast of this season. Myself, Glenn Price and Ollie Warner again joining me. Um, what a bloody week, Ollie. Uh, there's nothing you can say other than that was bloody fantastic, is there? Yeah, it was a fantastic week. Um, it's, it's obviously a week. Um, it's almost more sweet, isn't it? Because we don't have these weeks off very often. No. Um, but, to, you know, we've had weeks, a couple of weeks ago, we had no goals to talk about against or for. Um, and to have a game now where we're going to talk about this number of goals and two clean sheets and six points um, and where we were last Sunday, Glenn. Um, it's quite funny to see where we are now and just shows you how quickly things can change in football. Yeah, and the nature of the games. One against, you know, what was up until last last Saturday, a relegation, sorry, last Tuesday, a relegation rival and the team top of the league away from home. So absolutely loads and loads to talk about in terms of this week. And there's also international call-ups and various other bits and bobs going on. It's going to be quite a, a fun podcast, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, one of the questions we will pose later on, is this the best week as a Town fan since when, for example, in terms of, you know, goal scoring and entertainment. So, yeah, I've had a look into that. It's 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 just bloody fantastic, isn't it? And, you know, the, the, the most amazing thing really here is, Ollie, that we sat here last Sunday... And, you know, we talked about, sort of semi-jokes talked about picking up six points, didn't we? And, you know, we're more maybe worried about the fact that we were playing Morecambe and if we slipped to a defeat there, we would have probably been in massive trouble, wouldn't we? But, um, yeah, it does show you when it comes to this crunch time now with, what, five, six games? Well, seven games left now, I think it is. Um, you know, you just need to get over the line, don't you? Um, but to have done it in the style we've done it in is even more impressive. Yeah, definitely. We were talking, weren't we, on Sunday, almost like hinting that we felt something could happen. Um, and it's always been the way, isn't it, with Steve Cottrell? And it's, you know, we, we could have ended this week three points with 39 points um, right in the relegation um, mm. battle at, at risk. Um, but I think now it's fair to say that we are not mathematically, but um, I think there's a, a high probability that we're safe now. Oh, yeah. Job done, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the that's the draw a line under it you know even even if we weren't to win any of our remaining games I, I can't see that happening the way we're playing to be honest we haven't watched both games live this week so um yeah I just I just can't see us um, I'm faltering from this point in time and you look at the results again this week for the other teams below us and, and there wasn't many points picked up was there so I've seen a few people saying 50 points won't be needed this season you know it could be a little bit no less I than think that. you're right yeah and so, I think that's something that's been a theme hasn't it for the last few weeks is you know even on Tuesday night games we're not playing you look at the results and yeah, apart from Gillingham having this resurgence um, under Neil Harris, most of the other sides lose quite consistently. Um, and yeah, as you alluded to, and we said this on the podcast several times, I think the bottom six, particularly like the bottom two, you know, to have to have crew on only on twenty five points after thirty nine games is a is a historic <laughs> is is historically bad. It is. Yeah, they've definitely we've definitely benefited from there being some incredibly weak teams in League One this season. And, and if you look at the bottom, um, if you look at the bottom four, um, out of all their last five games, yeah. the last so you've got twenty games. Um, only Doncaster Rovers have won one. Wow, Jeez, that's yeah. how bad they are. Um, and obviously, you know, Gillingham have won two games of the last five and drawn one, and that's got them out of the relegation zone. That's that's how you know. Not to discredit Gillingham, I think what he's done there with a arguably debatable potentially the smallest budget in the division hmm? um, to get to where they are it's a shine of how what a good manager he is and you look at them Glenn as well is that you know crew have won six games out of 39 God. we've won 11 yeah it's quite a gap yeah it's a big gap now isn't it to be fair and and I think that's where we should start Ollie you know let's look at we're looking at one of the teams below us that are struggling to pick up wins um so we shall move to looking into Tuesday night um when we played Morecambe and we went goal crazy Ollie yeah. And Bill down the right, here's Mangan, the man of the moment, the goal scorer. Mangan crosses right, put it towards the far post, it's a victory, and it is! It's 2-1, and it's a victory! 
Tuesday night, 15th of March, Shrewsbury Town at home to Morecambe. A convincing, enjoyable um, <laughs> 5-0 win for Shrewsbury Town. Should have been six. <laughs> yeah, could have been more, could have been more certainly. Um, Ado um, started the scoring just before half-time. Um, and then in the second half, we scored four goals. Um, so we Mad. had um, a goals from um, we had goals from Leahy. Um, he got two. Bowman scored. And um, Ado got his second in the second half as well. Um, so a thoroughly enjoyable performance. Um, we had the same 11 again, um, which is great if you're on FanHub and you're predicting the side. Get 11 <laughs> out of 11 again. I'm sure a lot of Chuchu Time fans are getting 11 out of 11 at the moment. Um, so you got Murray seen goal. Um, you have Pennington um, at right, um, central defence, uh, with Ebanks in the middle and Flanagan on the left, and then Bennett and the Nurse as the wing-backs, yep. and then Vela, Fornau and Leahy, with Fornau sitting a bit deeper, um, and then Bowman and Doe up front, which is a, a really, really well-balanced team at the moment, Glenn, you have to say that. it's. And I imagine you were not surprised to see the same eleven starting on Tuesday night. No, let's be honest about it. Um, if no one gets injured between now and the end of the season, this team can play every week because it's by, it's by far the most impressive in terms of the results it's got the, across the whole season, hasn't it, really, I suppose? So, um, yeah, nothing really comes to, to kind of threaten this now. Pierre's obviously lost out on that battle with Flanagan. Um, Fauna's now established himself as probably one of our best midfielders in, in the course of about six or seven games. So I wouldn't mess around with this. It looks good. It's fun to watch at times when it clicks um, and it gives Bennett and Nurse you know, the, the chance to get forward and, and sort of put those bullets in for a few players. So, yeah, I like it. I don't think we'll be changing that going forward unless we're, we're so safe that um, Cottrell wants to try out a few of the sort of fringe players, see whether he wants to keep them on next season in the last three or four games. But, yeah, let's go with this for the next three, three, four, and, and, and see what we do in the last couple of games. But, um, yeah, Ollie, we battered him, didn't we? Just let's a point on that, Glenn. Just oh, hopefully, maybe we might see Caton play a little bit. Yeah, yeah there is nice. that, isn't there? Yeah, maybe we'll give Burgoyne a game as well. But to be honest with you, Morosi, we'll get some goalkeeping stats later on. If I was Morosi, I wouldn't be letting Burgoyne anywhere near the team. I'd be going for the record that he's on for, which we'll touch on when we get to the second game. But yeah, I was about to move on to, to some goal-scoring stats, Ollie, and um, I put a few of these on, on Twitter, really. But you know, we've got to take a step back here and, and realise that this was a very unique situation. We've we've obviously scored fives and sixes um, in some of the trophy games, haven't we? I remember there was a Tranmere game, we won 6-0 um, a couple of years ago. I think that was under Askey, and, and I think we've got five against all a shot in a cup but getting five goals at home in the league at this level is incredibly rare um in any in any league game um obviously this was a league two back then um it's the first time we'd scored five goals in a league game at home um since we beat Bury 5-0 in um October 2014 so this was a record. It was the first time we'd ever scored five in a, in a League One game since we came up um, all those years ago. Um, so that was impressive. Um, and yeah, it was also, I think it was Lewis Cox that found it's the first time we'd scored five league goals at home at this level. So obviously we were um, up, at the, up at this level at one point, you know, in between the sort of championship seasons, weren't we? Um, since the 80s. So yeah, pretty amazing as, as well. And um, since we've returned to the league, Ollie, um, it's only the 11th time we've scored five goals in a, in a league game, which is a bit crazy, isn't it, really? Um, so, uh, sorry, in any game that is um you can think of the Gillingham game the Wickham game um Northampton 7-2 away so you know these are the sorts of stats you know when it shows you we've only done it seven times at home as well that kind of when I was walking away I was kind of thinking yeah that doesn't happen very often but when you do dig into it it is incredibly rare um and yeah we've got to, we've got to acknowledge it, haven't we yeah it's it's just rare for us you know obviously we're not free scoring it's something we talk about most weeks <laughs> um, and to get five is yeah it's, it's fantastic and yeah, only seventh time is yeah, it's, it's quite a quite a record. It shows you how how in special um, the result was on Tuesday night. Yeah, and my son wasn't feeling very well in the evening, so he decided not to come. And I said to him, "We'll have to wait another ten years again um, to, to see a result like that at home." Having said that, he came to Rotherham on Saturday and saw us put three at the league there, there, leaders. There, so. there is a term of being too honest. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, he needs to learn, doesn't he? He's a Shrewsbury Town fan. And the other interesting stat I found on this one, Ollie, was obviously it was a point during the game when Lee He and Ado were both on the pitch at the same time, both on a hat trick. Like God, you know, I thought when was the last time that happened? And so I dug into that, and um, yeah, 2015 was the last time we had two players on the pitch at the same time, um, both on a hat trick. Um, I think we were two 0 down at half time to Colchester, and we subbed on Tyrone Barnett and Sully Kai Kai at half time, and they both came on and they both scored a brace. So um, yeah, it's it's been you know six seven years since since that sort of situation happened, and it hasn't happened very many times in our history either. So shame someone didn't go on to get the hat trick, but um, yeah, another a kind of another, another stat showing that that goal scoring issue we've obviously talked about and the, and the time it takes really. So um, yeah, is I, it I, Bowman the only player to score a hat trick this season? The perfect hat trick, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 he's the only one so far. So, shame they didn't go on to get one, but um, keep playing like this, they might get some chances anyway. So, um, yeah, same yeah, team I, as you I said. I actually love it. I actually prefer it when there's a spread of goals. Um, it's almost like a football manager, I always prefer it when more players score. And it's obviously good because then the kind of the confidence goes throughout the squad and the first 11. So, yeah, it was good. Well, yeah, Doe's up to 14 this season as well, isn't he? As the, as the lead man now in terms of goal scoring, which is only which is such two, a good number, two off day. Yeah, which is. Yeah, you know, you know, we will, we will obviously, you know, we always do the highs and we always do the lows. And, and unlike the manager, we always go really low and we always go really high. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, Doe, you know, we, if, you know, if I said to you, um, you know, before this, you know, even before the season's ended, a dozing this many goals, you'd, you'd think I was crazy. Um, so, you know, it's testament to the, the player and what a season he's having. And, it's great. It's great to see. In recent years, obviously, when when Okunabiri got those sixteen goals across all competitions, that was lauded as one of our best outputs for a, for a striker in a season, wasn't it? And as I say, with what seven games to go, Ado only needs two to catch him, and Bowman only needs three. Um, so a bit bonkers, isn't it? Really. I'm sorry, Bowman needs four, doesn't he? Um, but you know, they both have a chance of being outscoring Faye, which is ridiculous for it to happen once I would have thought at the start of the season the way it was going for for maybe both strikers to do it would be unheard of um to be honest with you so I'll, you know at the end of the season we'll dig into some goal scoring stats and see where they where they managed up but um let's get on to this game Ollie because it was a bloody amazing night at the meadow to be honest with you um and yeah go on start us off yeah first off just worth saying probably overall that this if you're a Morecambe fan this probably wasn't really a 5-0 game um so I'll get that out of the way now you know we we, we were very very clinical um, in taking our chances, yep. um, and the first half wasn't really a lot to talk about, was it? There was, you yep. know, from a Morecambe point of view, they were playing almost like a three-six-one with Stockton up front on his own, who is a real talent, isn't he? He's he's, he's certainly a, a very very good player. Yeah, um, try steal him. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I think he can probably go to a higher level. You'd expect, wouldn't you? Yeah. Imagine you could maybe play in the championship, yeah. or maybe one of the big big guns in League One. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. It was a hard game. I thought we were it was hard for us to kind of break down that six men midfield. Yeah. And I thought we were playing a little bit too slow, um, I thought, um in in terms of the game. And I remember tweeting that out. Um but the probably the, the probably the best chance before the goal came to Vela again on the right flank. That that Vela and Bennett um, partnership on the right is, is a real big threat, isn't it? Um, yep. And basically, cuts he cuts the ball back to Bowman, who fires over, and not the best finishing from Bowman there, Glenn. No, that was a poor, a poor miss, and we're going to let him off this week with what's gone on. But um, yeah, it wasn't one of his better finishes, and um, a little bit like the Sheffield Wednesday one, and the, and the one was it at Cambridge? I think a few weeks ago we were being a bit harsh on, but yeah, obviously it's gone on to finish other chances this week, so we can't complain too much. Yeah, it was a poor finish. I, I, just looking back at Morecambe, it was um, I could understand what they were doing in the first half. They sat very deep, didn't they? And they tried to play yeah. like we did when we were struggling, which is sit deep and hope to you know set an ado away and, and score on a counter. You know that was kind of you know let's not forget after this week we did spend most of the season. And playing like that, but Morecambe did that because 
that's probably as much as they've got. They they looked very poor at times, I thought, um, particularly obviously in the second half. But, you know, that was their tactic. But um, I don't know, we'll get to second half in a bit because I thought once they went one or two nil down, it seemed ridiculous they kept playing that way. Um, and it's one of the things that kind of undermined them, I think. But I can understand why they did it first half. They wanted to stay in the game and, and hope they could they nick They do leak on. quite a lot of goals as well. They were poor at the back, yeah, obviously. Because he scored four or five, so um, yeah, they weren't the best, were they? But yeah, so yeah, that, that was it really. As I say, it was a, a hard-fought battle. They were sticking in it. They they had a couple of half chances, didn't they? We had the chance from Vela and maybe a couple more half chances on top of that. But the sort of first half kind of flew by. Really, it was one of those. I remember sitting there talking to Tom Griff, who sits in front of us, and my brother sort of saying that half just went quite quickly, even though not not a great deal happened. But um, yeah, towards the end of that half, obviously we we got our, our goal, didn't we? On forty-four minutes, and it was a an absolutely brilliant time for us to score. And and let's be honest, it changed the complete flow of the game. It really knocked. Morecambe for six looking looking at how the second half went yeah there was a chance wasn't there for Morecambe um, before that um, where Stockton doing a fantastic dribble finds a man in the box and fires over oh, a, a, probably it, yeah. a better chance maybe than the Bowman one yeah I forgot about that and then um, then there's the one bit of kind of things fair to say a bit of quality and this is just what Flanagan brings to the side he brings a really good um a passing ability to the side so he kind of jogs forward from um, left centre defence which is something I thought was a bit of a tactic um, that we were starting to employ as the game went on and I think mm. it's probably a bit of a theme this week actually Flanagan and Pennington pushing on Yep. and Flanagan gets the ball and plays the ball and, and for those who haven't seen it and you know those exiles haven't seen the game he passes the ball with real pace he goes really really close to, um, to their um, their right wing back but kind of he can't get to it it comes to nurse and in a single pass um we basically nurse is free in the box puts the ball into the um, into the box and a doe tucks it away and the best pass of the game um i thought um, best pass i've seen for a while actually from a shooty town player Two um, best. it was a fantastic play and yeah how a mate one glenn how good was the goal um and secondly how good has, has flanagan been um as a sign-in Unbelievable. He's been really, really good, hasn't he? It was, it's funny. I mean, I could talk talk about this in the second game. I sat next to Paul Coyne, who um, was was one of the guys that was taken on the away supporters, um, the football club, um, who I've known for a few years, and sat with him at um, at Rotherham, and. We were talking, saying, when was the last time we had two what you would consider like, you know, kind of Rolls Royce defenders at this level, players who are really good on the ball and can pass really well. And I'm talking about Flanagan and Pennington. Obviously, Ebanks brings you a bit different. He brings that physicality that I think you need in between them or, or around them, which works really well. But to have both of them, you know, I, I always liked Knight Percival. He was a bit of a player like that. He was a good player on the ball and, and neat and tidy and could pass. But to have two of them, and I think they're probably both better than Percival as well, um, at the same time is, is absolutely brilliant. And yeah, Flanagan's come in and, and definitely, you know, you look at the amount of clean sheets we've kept since he came into the team, it's no surprise, is it, Ollie? He's kind of taken a good defence to, let's be brutally honest about it, an excellent defence at this level now when you look at our record across the whole division. So, um, yeah, funny, it wasn't really an area we thought we would be improving in the transfer window, um, Ollie, but actually we have done. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, isn't it, that, that comment about, I can't remember which manager said it, but sort of, a manager said it recently. If you, I think Cottrell's repeated it as well. Um, but it was definitely manager before Cottrell said that if you've got the chance to improve a position, you take it. Yeah, true. And for me, Flanagan is a great example of that. Flanagan is a signing for next season as well. Mm. And um, I think he also, he makes, um, you know, Ebanks Landell's passing better as well. You know, Ebanks Landell's yeah. passing was something like nearly 95% accurate. Wow. And because he's, he's passing the ball more to Pennington and to Flanagan, who have got really good distribution. And I think, yeah, Flanagan is, is clearly a building blocks and it's an intention for the future. Uh, but he's been a really, really good sign-in. And yeah. I think also, I really enjoyed his post his pre-match interview he did a few weeks ago. And his really good observation reminder um, from, from Lewis Jones on Twitter, where he goes on to say about 
um, you know, Flanagan's, you know, he's influencing the squad. And when he came in, you know, he was in the interview, he was talking about, well, why can't we compete? Yeah. Why do we have to be little Shrewsbury? Which we laughed um, at so a bit. Th- yeah. <laughs> first, and, I think, <laughs> and I think he's helping that mentality and he's another leader in the squad. For sure. Yep, definitely a leader. Definitely the sort of player you might think if Ebanks doesn't re-sign this summer, would maybe be him and Leahy look like they're captain to material. It'd be interesting to see where Flanagan does play next season, whether he'll yeah. be central or whether he would be... Because he's right-footed, but he can do both. He's got a strong left foot as well, so something um, to watch out for. He played centre mid the last five minutes at um, Rotherham, so you never know. He did. <laughs> but um, yeah, just going back to the goal before we get to the half-time, yeah, I, I, you said one of the best passes you've seen this season from Flanagan, but I will also credit Nurse hugely. You know, that was the sort of cross that you simply don't miss, wasn't it? And, you know... Um, yeah. We, we've weight. lamented Ado for missing some of those chances over the years, and he I think he talked in his interview with Lewis Cox about kind of upping his football IQ in terms of he, he backs himself to score those kind of hard shots from four, sort of 10, 15 yards out, but sometimes he's not so clinical right on the goal line. But, you know, when Nurse is putting a ball like that, even Ado can't miss it, and um, yeah, just snaffled it up. Great goal, great time to score, and you just, you know, I, I went into half time as soon as the whistle went a couple of minutes later thinking, yeah, this is ours, we, we shouldn't mess this up. You know, they, they've been okay, but um, you just felt like, I think I saw a couple of people tweeting, you know, one goal and this lot will fall apart and it was, um, yeah, very prescient that, that they said that, to be honest with you. Yeah, but apart from Stockton, can yeah. you, can, and this is maybe a bit mean, but can you remember any of their players? Only Wildig, because he played for us, but he was terrible. But do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it, was, it was a, yeah. a squad um, lacking quality, um, which just goes on to show that that home defeat we had to them was um, arguably probably the worst result of the season in terms of performance point of view. Um, we really yeah. stunk the place out that day. So, yeah, there's a little bit of revenge maybe in this one. Um, but I think it's fair to say, Glenn, um, the second half was um, yeah, it was Goldfest 2022, uh, and we've been waiting for a while, um, you know, to score a few goals. But this second half, yeah, we we, we were clinical. We took our chances, um, and it only took us two minutes um, to to get um, to get a, a, a goal scoring opportunity. And I thought this was a really brave decision by the referee. We were lamenting poor refereeing decisions in recent weeks, but this was a really really good um, refereeing decision. Um, and he, he was clear, you know, for all to see as well what he said. You know, basically, the defender, um, I believe the defender was trying to use his shoulder and get his shoulder down to the ball, but he yep. failed, hit yep. his arm. Um, clear penalty for me, would you agree? Yeah, he gave it straight away, didn't he? I was, say, I was saying it was Drysdale, it was Darren Drysdale, a referee that we've not got a lot of love for, for, for things that have happened over the years, but he made up for it in this game. <laughs> he was pretty much fine for us. He didn't make any issues. So um, <coughs> certainly better than the ref we had against Oxford. Um, yeah, so yeah, straight away, penalty. Um, you're pretty sure that uh, Leahy was going to take it. He seems to be on penalties, doesn't he, this season? And um, yeah, stepped up. Just a typical Leahy kind of penalty finish, really. Don't don't ever think he's going to miss from penalties, do you, at the moment, Leahy? Super penalty. No, you don't even. Yeah, in, in recent years, sometimes you get a little bit wary when for penalty takers. But he just excused confidence and yeah, it does. smashed yeah. it away. And um, yeah, that was it. Then two nil. Um, and then it was obviously it was going to be a big test um, for Morecambe and how they were going to react. And um, fortunately for us, didn't take too long. Another four minutes, and and we were and we were, we scored again. <laughs> Um, it's a bit of a um, a bit of a funny um, bit of play, really. Kind of Bennett puts the ball into the box. So this was quite. We actually had the ball in play for quite a long time, but I'm not going to go through it all. It would take too long. Um, basically, and the ball comes out to Leahy on the edge of the box, and like it was a bit like street football, wasn't it? You know, a bit of like you know, in a kind of like a cage type football. He yeah. kind of does a little bit of keepy up. He controls it, brings it down, turns in goal, and then he just. I was far, I was I've written down fire is at home, but he, he didn't even hit it that hard. He hit it hard enough. But it was just so accurate into the top corner, yep. um, top bins, and absolutely superb finish from Leahy. 
one of the best goals of the season in terms of technique. Um, again, showing yeah. that technique that Lee he's got, um, whether it's passing or, or shooting or penalties, he's a very tidy, neat player. And um, yeah, the, the the swiftness in which he brought the ball down, turned on a sixpence, like you say, and just you know. It wasn't a casual side foot, but it looked like a casual side foot with a bit of menace behind it, didn't it? And um, yeah, it just sort of looked like he almost curled it into the top corner. And it was, uh, yeah, game over then, 3-0, wasn't it? And um, just just a fantastic finish. And, and the Meadow erupted, to be honest with you. That was the big, I think, you know, we went on to score a couple more goals. That was the big goal. It, it was almost like, yeah, we've definitely won this game. And considering it was Morecambe, considering we could have been getting dragged into relegation trouble, that was the pressure release. The the, the sound for that goal was absolutely amazing on the night, Ollie. Yeah, really good goal and, and key moment, isn't it? 3-0 um, and that was it really I think game over uh, I think um, Derek Adams who yeah not the I would, would be very disappointed if he came our manager he's not the kind of manager <laughs> I'd like to see um, and also they went back to him as well, which I always think is a bit of an odd one when he you know, he went to Bradford in the summer yeah um, yeah so, they lost yeah, the plot um, then, though, Ollie. They, this was this was my point about Morecambe. They lost the plot from this point onwards. Yeah, like, they did. They were three 0 down in a game that really they probably had to win. Um, and they just sat deep still. They didn't really change their tactics, and we were completely on top. Like maybe the most dominant we've been in a game in this second half, to be honest with you, the whole half. Um, and they just hadn't got an answer. And I, and I almost felt a bit sorry for them. It was almost like. If we change it, we'll probably still get battered here. Do you know what I mean? We were that that much on top, and our defence was on cruise control. They they didn't threaten us much in that second half, and it just what, what could Derek Adams do in that situation? It was they were going to get a hum, hammer in whatever happened. I thought, and um, they tried to stay and stop the goals going in, didn't they? Maybe thinking about their goal difference, and yeah, we were a bit clinical for the next two goals to take it up to five. But um, they tried their best to defend, but they they had very little. Yeah, they were very very poor, and um, yeah, it went from bad to worse really for them, didn't it? <laughs> Um, the, the fifth goal in particular was was awful defending. Um, yeah. So yeah, the fourth goal, um, yeah, channel ball from Flanagan in um, into he runs into the box, he steadies himself, and it's quite simple. He just smashes into the back of the net. Yep. <laughs> it was really really simple, um, really really nice, um, really nice goal, um, and yeah, um, job's good and four um, 0 Yep, another great finish and, and sort of, as I say, those are the goals he says he backs himself to score. And if you think about the goals he has scored this season, quite a lot of them have been like that. You know, Fleetwood away, that big long ranger. There's been a few where he's kind of smashed them in from just on the edge of the box or just inside the box, aren't there? So clearly he's got that in his locker um, and now he's, he's obviously found a, a sort of snappy, a scrappier finish in the first one as well. So yeah, 4-0, it was just getting more and more mental, wasn't it? Considering we very rarely see us score four league goals at home and particularly with, without conceding any. Um, and it just kept getting better and better, didn't it? You know, we, we, that's, we're talking about the goal but we haven't really described how well Town played in this half, have we, Ollie? You know, the midfield were exceptionally in control of the game. Vela, Leahy, Fauna were all absolutely brilliant. Um, it gave the defenders and the, the wing-backs a chance to kind of overlap and run forward at times with, with Morecambe being so deep. The front two all worked their bollocks off and, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a fluke that we got five goals. I know we were clinical, but we've not we've not battered a team like that so much. And, um, you know, it was the, the fifth goal came from that, didn't it? It came from just us running at them again. Um, won a free kick because they were, just, they were just struggling to keep up with us. And, um, yeah, free kick floated into the back post wasn't it and, and who was there yeah Bowman came flying in and Unreal. uncontested really 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 poor from a Morgan point of view yeah that was the worst goal um, and yeah it was strange so yeah it was one of those games where yeah you know five five I think was was I don't know four was probably fair but in terms of just total domination <laughs> it was it was good and we kind of we always we're also we we owed a bit of luck 
Um, you know, we've had lots of games, haven't we, where we could have scored, you know, and we should have scored goals and we've lamented our lack of accuracy. Um, and in this game, we were really, really accurate. We took our chances. We had the 14 shots, six on target, scored five goals. Yeah. Um, and really odd, Glenn, considering us we're a side that, you know, is normally really good at set pieces and actually almost has, I think, even played for corners. We had no corners in this game. <laughs> well, all our shots are on target and it forced the keeper to either let it in or, or pound it out with the other shot. But um, yeah, it's quite unusual to have no corners in a game, isn't it? I, I haven't spotted yeah, that at all. Especially in League One. Yeah, very odd. But um, that was it then, you know, 5-0. It was kind of just, uh, it was quite late on that last goal, wasn't it? I think it was on, uh, yeah, it was like 70 minutes, wasn't it? There was 20 minutes left in it. We kept pushing. We didn't have any massively clear-cut chances to make it six after that. We definitely controlled the game from that point onwards. But it was almost like a that was the crescendo, really, that fifth goal. And we kind of saw it out, really, um, to the end of the game and, and made a few subs. And that maybe unsettled us a little bit. Brought Wally on. He made a couple of good runs, didn't he, as well, which was nice to see on 251st appearance. Um, yeah, so a couple of, couple of the others got a run out. It was a perfect night, really, wasn't it? Yeah, really, really good performance, and yeah, really good to get that clean sheet because I thought the um, the back line and everyone defensively, obviously, defenses are is our probably our greatest strength. I think we're what, the third best defense in the division. Mad, um, which just mad. says a lot um, about how well it says a lot about how we play, to be honest, and also how good we are at def- in defending, um, which is which is fantastic. So that was yeah, really good fun. Um, but yeah, that was it really. Um, I thought it was um, fantastic, a fantastic game, and um, yeah, three points and a huge three points as well in terms huge. of the, the context and the story of the season. And the pressure release and the confidence it gave the team going into Rotherham clearly was a big factor about this week as well. But there was a couple of things I saw right at the end, Ollie. We've got to have a discussion about um, kids holding up shirts saying, "Can I have?" Sorry, signs saying, "Can I have your shirt?" At the end of games, it is it's becoming you know it's becoming the same hated thing as like half and half scarves, isn't it? You know, uh, there was there was about three kids with them on on the end of the game on Tuesday night, and um, the funny thing was we were sitting in the West Stand and a doe ran over at the end because one of them had his name on it, and he went, "I haven't got any shirts left to give away." Clearly, they get given a certain amount of shirts at the start of the season yeah. and a doe and lee have probably been the ones who've given them out the most now so um yeah he left those kids uh, a bit sad really but um yeah i'm not not a big fan of the the begging it's uh it's a bit lame isn't it i think begging is a good word i think it's very <laughs> lame um yeah yeah you i don't know you don't go to, and also like uh, yeah you see it in the premier league grounds and, and you often you see things don't you that they they go on ebay and people try to make money yeah. out of it and yeah yeah i don't know it just seems a bit naff to be honest and um it's certainly not something I'd be encouraging if I was a parent. But no, well, you are a parent, own, Ollie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you, for, you forgot for a second. I heard your lad when we were talking about the goals before, screaming in the background. He was clearly very excited about how many goals we scored uh, second half earlier on, Ollie. So um, yeah, there we go. Um, in terms of uh, the other thing as well, I did say if we're gonna if you're gonna win a game five nil, Ollie, um, and it be one of the best results you've had for quite a while. Do it the evening before you start selling season tickets. You know, that's pretty smart, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's perfect timing. <laughs> perfect timing for Brian um, and the commercial team. And um, yeah, hopefully that will um, yeah give people a little bit of encouragement for next season. Yeah, too right. And um, yeah, we'll look at our top threes quickly, Ollie. I'll run through mine if you want. But yeah, I think it, it was hard to pick between the top three for me this week. Um, Leahy was exceptionally good and obviously scored his two goals, so that's probably what nicked and, it for me. And had um, two assists as well. Yeah, yeah, true enough. He, he was brilliant in the game, wasn't he? But everyone was brilliant. But yeah, Leahy for me, man of the match, um, nicked it for those those reasons really and his all-round energy and, and play. Um, I went for Fauna second again. I was so impressed by the young man. Again, another... Really, really smart, clear, clever performance on the ball, um, showing that he can offer us stuff going forward as well. That was good. And then I gave Flanagan um, third, uh, just to kind of recognise really what the stuff we were talking about before about how good he's been since he came in. Um, and I just thought, you know, overall he, he was the absolute boss at the back in terms of any attacks more command. So um, yeah, those were my three. Cool. I went for for Leahy, Ado, and Bowman. Yeah, 
fair enough, isn't it? The two goal scorers, well, the three goal scorers. So, yeah, there we go. Um, good stuff. And what did Scottrell have to say? He was quite chuffed, wasn't he? Yeah, he's always he's always he's always good after a win. Um, and yeah, so I'm pleased for the lads. Um, yeah, we played the game at the weekend and we deserved to win it and against a good team. And yeah, Morcus beat us early in the season and it wasn't a particularly good performance from us. Um, so we need to put that right. We've come a long way since we were beaten um, by them. So he's really pleased for the lads. Um, then he goes and he always does this and he always has to take a pop um, or make a <laughs> comment. Oh, no. Yeah, so he says, you yeah, you can get clouded by results. Um, and I'm not sure if that really was a top performance. And he said, we've had the performances, um, you know, um, and he said, you know, you know, and he said basically, if I, if I said we'd had them and, and we'd, you know, you probably thought it was off my head. So it was a bit of a weird rant um, connecting to previous performances and stuff. But, um, but let's be positive. Let's not talk about um, the fact that we couldn't we couldn't beat Crew. Um, but um, that's good team. Yeah, it was a really good performance, and and Steve Cottrell was was pretty good. But he was much better in the second one, so that should be interesting to discuss. Um, he was yeah. giving some really interesting insight. But um, yeah, all positive and um, yeah, really really good result and a key 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 milestone for me. Um, you know, obviously after Tuesday night, that really took the pressure off. I thought um, I was getting starting to get a little bit worried, um, yeah. but it was a a, a a big big result, and I'm sure a lot a result that a lot of teams um, around us, Lincoln, Fleetwood, um, Gillingham fans were, were proper chuffed to see. Yep, too right, too right. Here's a question for you then, Ollie, before we move on to the next game. You, we've just talked about us beating a team 5-0 at home and how rare that is, how amazing a kind of result that is, you know, how how often we actually score five league goals at home is rare, like I just said then, you know, massive result, wasn't it? You know, huge for the season, pressure relief, all of that sort of stuff. Is beating Morecambe 5-0 at home better than winning 3-0 away at the league leaders? Beating Rotherham is much better, I think. <laughs> amazing, isn't it? Like, because at the st- this game is one of the best games we've ever covered, winning 5-0 at home in the league <laughs> against a potential relegation rival back then. And we beat it <laughs> the next yeah, game by an even better result. Later. It's amazing, really. So, um, yeah, there we go. The fun times didn't stop. The party rolled on to Rotherham. And, uh, yeah, we'll cover that now. Uh, from Taylor towards Granderson. It's headed in, is it? Yes, it's gone in! Asa Hall powers it forwards. And it's gone in. Shoesby back in it, maybe, with 12 to go. Saturday. Um, fantastic <laughs> result. Um, Rotherham zero, Shrewsbury Town three. Fantastic result. Um, team lineup was exactly the same. Um, and I think just to put into context, Glenn, how good a result this was. You know, so Rotherham are still top of the league and with eighty points um, mm-hmm. from thirty nine games. So yeah, more than a point a game, two points per game, which is obviously a fantastic result. Um, and it was the only it was the only time since September that Rotherham had lost at home, which is God. quite a record considering now we're at the end, no, we're in the latter stages of March and how many games there are obviously in this in this division. That's the stat you put in. I hadn't spotted that before. That's unbelievable for us to have gone yeah. there and comprehensively beat them. I know there was a red card, but I, I want to come to that as we go through the game. The red card probably did change the game and enabled us to get a, maybe a three or four, you know, could have been four or five actually. But yeah. I thought we were so good before the red card anyway that it maybe was irrelevant. But yeah, just fantastic to turn that record around and um, give them a bloody nose. And hopefully, I think the main overriding factor from town fans leaving the game, Ollie, was hopefully we've derailed <laughs> their promotion campaign a little bit because, you know, we obviously owe Rotherham one, don't we, for the whole Wembley playoff um, fiasco. Um, so yeah, so it's always good to give them a bloody nose. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those places that we seem to enjoy winning more often than not. And actually have got a really good record at Rotherham over the last few years, haven't we? So um, yeah, but for me, 
You talk about this result being better than the one against Morecambe. Funnily enough, for me, this result was better than the one in the Hurst season when we went and won there in the last minute, wasn't it? Which was critical to everything we were doing that season. But this was so much more comprehensive, so much better result. Um, you know, one of the best away results we've had for, for quite a long time in the league. Um, so, yeah, so a couple more stats, Ollie. Morosi, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's now only one clean sheet behind Dean Henderson. Um, so if he gets one more in these last seven games, he will have the joint record. Or maybe if he gets two, he'll have the record on his own for the most individual goalkeeper clean sheets in League One. So, yeah, he's one away now, Ollie. Um, and another massively deserved clean sheet on Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, but uh, it's it's obviously a team game, isn't it? Uh, yep. And the, the, um, the defensive record is... Is partly because of our style of play, but then also obviously the hard work from from the team as well. But yep. you know, it would be incorrect to me not to say that he's pulled off some amazing saves, which he has. Um, you know, on on Saturday he does a, a really good save to stop um, Rotherham scoring. Smith, who's one of the top goal scorers in the division, a fantastic save. Um, so yeah, he's fully fully deserved the plaudits and the um, and the the credit that he gets for this for this record. Um, but also so does the rest of the team. You can't doubt his concentration. He's, he's having a lot less to do over these last few games. Yeah. And there's still a moment where he needs to make an absolutely brilliant save. And he's there, you know, making that save. And um, yeah, you've got to credit him for, for that concentration as well. So that's good. Um, this is the latest in the season. We've had a positive goal difference, Ollie, um, in League One, other than the Paul Hurst season. So obviously, we had like a 20 plus goal, goal difference, didn't we, at the end of that season? But, you know, we've on it plus is three, mad. which we is mad. Eight goals this week, and we've just got above more than a goal a game. Hmm. <laughs> and to have a, pl- a positive goal difference for once, yeah. you know, with this period of the season. And, and Chris Hudson um, was talk- looking at the stats I put up on Twitter and he was saying, it's the first time in the entire season we've had a positive goal difference. Obviously, we lost the opening game and lost that massive run of games there and got into quite a low <laughs> negative goal difference early on in the season, didn't we? But to get to whatever it is, game 37 or something like that, and it be the first time all season you've got a positive goal difference, it does certainly show <laughs> the recovery, doesn't it? And if you put into context, you know, Doncaster Rovers have got a negative 45 goal difference, Crewe 41, <laughs> Morecambe 32, Jesus. Gillingham 30, and even um, even Lincoln have got a minus eight um, goal Who difference. Who we play next? And yeah, yeah, our defence. And yeah, it's, all, it's also as well, it's nice to look at the league table. We've overtaken Cambridge as well, who I always thought were a bit higher probably than their, their ability were kind of um, warranted. So it's interesting they've been come back down again. They've got minus 13 goal difference and Clearly, our defence has been um, our major strength this season, and um, and I guess it, in in a positive looking forward, it's something to build on, isn't it? There's definitely an opportunity for us to finish higher than that. That obviously the Hurst season was the highest we finished in this division, yeah. in this level for quite a long time. But you take that season out, and then you know we had Ricketts telling us, didn't he, that he was proud of his fifteenth place finish. It's on. Could Ollie, get fourteenth. Yeah, fourteenth. Yeah, so Burton Albion are only two points ahead of us. Yep played the same number of goals and Burton are not doing that well they've lost four of the last five potential potential opportunities yeah, well, there. nice to get up. 14th yep could do and then and also it that... helps a little bit doesn't it with the old agents and stuff looking at the league table for yeah. next season yeah, that's, that's sure. Although we've got to buy players first. Um, but anyway, um, and I had a look at the last time we'd scored eight league goals in a week, Ollie. And I'm not including, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. It's got to be Saturday to Saturday. Yeah. So it's obviously not in a week. But the last time we scored eight goals across two Saturdays, back to back, basically. And you have to go back to 2011 to do that, Ollie. Um, when we went away to Northampton and we won 7-2. Followed up the following Saturday with a comprehensively easy, as I remember it, 2-0 victory over Morecambe. So um, Morecambe were involved again in that. So, um, yeah, that was the last time we scored eight goals in a in, in back-to-back Saturdays, so quite a long time ago, Ollie. 
Yeah, that, that yeah, that was a that was a, a great day again where Northampton remember that quite fondly. But yeah. it's also really funny. I don't know why Steve got this, but he often talks about three games in a week, but it's not is it? It's not three games in a week at all. No, it isn't, yeah. that's why I was trying to clarify that Saturday to Saturday is not an entire week. Oh, I suppose it is in some respects. But yeah, there we go. Saturday, Saturday. So that was the last time that happened and um yeah, couldn't find any anywhere in between. And we'll talk about you know, this is the best week since a bit later on once we've gone through the game. But um yeah, I, I went to this game, Ollie. Um took uh, my two kids and one of their friends up um, and parked quite close to the ground before forgetting that there's just two bridges you have to cross to get to their stadium and you have to go walking miles around. So I'm, I probably only parked about five minutes as the crow flies from the stadium. It took bloody ages to get there. Anyway, um, got to the stadium. They were doing a, a Bobby Moore Cancer Fund Day. Um, and if you donated some money um, to the charity, they gave you a pair of red gloves. Um, but at the end of the game, as we were coming out, they were just given all the ones they never got rid of away anyway. So I think most people left that stadium with red gloves. My kids got some at the end, which was which was good. And we gave it money to charity as well. So um, that was fine. Um, and yeah, got in. Good atmosphere. I think we had 470 town fans in there. It kind of bubbled up. Um, and I was saying at the first game, sat by a friend of mine, Paul Coyne, who uh, is always good good value to sit next to and gives you some uh, some interesting things. In fact, we were sitting next to him. At the start of the game, we were kind of talking about, you know, old town things and this, that and the other. And he was talking about, it's almost the 10-year t- anniversary of the unbeaten at home season um, at the New Meadow, the, you know, in April, at the end of that season, when we, when we got that final, you know, victory. Um, so I, I sent a message to the uh, media lads, just reminding them that it'd be quite nice to put something out about that. So never, we'll see what comes along, but it'd be good to see like a sort of m- a video kind of just reminding us of that good season we had in League Two when we didn't lose a game. So, um, yeah, that was, that was good. And, uh, yeah... Our fans were loving it, but there was definitely an air of tension around the Rotherham fans, Ollie. Yeah, it was a massive game for them, wasn't it? Huge. Um, you know, they got you got Wigan, who are um, basically hunting them down. Got two games in hand of them, and one point away. And also, they've also fearful as well of MK Dons, who are having a fantastic season, who have got seventy six points. Um, and both um, both of those two sides are in good form. Uh, yeah, hunting them down. So yeah, that's it's it's a big game for them and. Even though I was only I was watching this game from home, um, you got the sense that there was a lot of tension just coming through um, through through the TV. Um, they could sense there was tension. I imagine you could tense, you could feel that even before the game kicked off. Clearly, it got worse as the game went on. For them. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot of angst, and, and you know, I put a few comments in there about what their fans were like as it went through. They were moany, like Rotherham fans always have. We've always said that. But um, you normally put at the end of our agenda for, for people who listen to this, we always have an agenda. We run through bits and bobs on it, and you always put, "What did you think of the opposition?" And um, I thought overall they played incredibly nervy, and I think a lot of that came from the crowd. To be honest with you, um, obviously there's a gen- generic nervousness they would have had from the situation they're in and what they could potentially do at the end of this season. But yeah, it was a, it was a f- very funny air of nervousness, and I think that helped us. I mean, obviously. It didn't make us probably didn't play any different, but they they were not at their best. Let's be brutally honest about it. Um, from everything they've done this season, and um, yeah, we we were good enough to take advantage this week. Well, I remember um quite a while ago, Glenn, I pointed out I feel it's like different websites we used to kind of help put the podcast together. Uh, yeah. Who scored often do you know of positives and you know strengths and negatives during a game, um, and Rotherham have no strengths. And it just shows you how poor they are. Where Shrewsbury Town had um, six. Um, you know, good finishing or effective at creating goal scored opportunities and counter attacks. Yeah, create a high number of chances relative to our possession. We stole the ball back from the opposition. Lots and lots of positive things to talk about, and they had none, um, which um, says a lot about how poor they were. Um, and it's it's funny, isn't it? The crowd. It's certainly funny actually on the Stiss podcast. They talked about how you know booing the players at half time is is really negative, and it's really 
um, doesn't help the team at all. Um, you know, the players know they haven't had a good game. They don't need the fans um, kind of reminding them. Um, and it just goes to show, doesn't it, that, you know, the the fans really can have an influence on the game. And, and I think actually in this second half as well, we'll come on to it, I thought their, their fans actually made things worse for them in the second half. Oh, they got really ratty, yeah. We'll, we'll come to From that. From a tactical well, but... point of view as well, I think I think they, yeah. they, 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 they kind of forced some players rather foolishly, try, probably trying to be heroes and to win yep. favour of the fans to, to make make it a lot harder for them. So we'll come on to that. But uh, fair to say, Glenn, uh, any comments before we start? But I thought it was fair to say we started the game really well. Mm. Uh, my overall my comments are that this, uh, just taking a step back here, just as we go through these games, like, we missed those away victories we had, didn't we? Do you remember we won at Sunderland and we won somewhere else during the COVID period? We had that three run away from home where we got three amazing results. Charlton was one of them, I think. But we weren't Charlton, there to see Lincoln it. was one of them as well. Yeah, and Lincoln were like fifth or something at the time, weren't they? It was like we beat yeah. three of the top five in three weeks back to back. Hull? Right? Did we get beat Hull yeah. as well? Might, yeah, it might have been Hull. And we watched yeah, on iPhone, didn't Hull. we? I remember talking about it. Yeah. But the experience of being at a game like this where you go to the team who are top of the league and you, you, we've not been having the best season ourselves and we show as much drive energy, willingness to keep attacking, passion, you know, flair at times, um, control, cleverness of play, defensive solidity. Um, you could list a hundred things that were amazing about this performance. I, I I enjoyed this more than I did on Morecambe, and that's saying something because we scored five goals. There was so much about this performance that left me with a feeling leaving the stadium that I felt when we were beating teams in the Paul Hurst season. And I know that doesn't matter because we haven't won a lot of games this season, but it was definitely one of those ones that can kind of make you turn your head and think, actually, if this could be something we could do a lot more and, and we can build on it, there, there's definitely a platform there. So that was my overall view, Ollie. I just want to say that up front because... You know, I've often talked about games uh, games on this podcast and, you know, most of the games this season we come away and we, we talk and we try to get energised about things and it's a nil-nil draw against Lincoln. It's a one-nil, two-nil loss against Morecambe away from home. It's I've been to all these games this season. I find it really really hard to, to extract the best energy out of it. But for a game like this, I, I could genuinely sit here and talk to you for an hour about everything that was amazing about this game and how well the players played. So we'll try not to make it drag on too long, Ollie, and we'll go through bit by bit now. But I just want to say that up front. I, I thought it was one of the most fantastic games of football I've been at live for a really long period of time um, watching Shubertown play in the league. It was a thoroughly enjoyable watch, wasn't it? And um, yep. yeah, even before the goal, we were, I wouldn't say, we can't say, I think we say we dominated before the goal. Um, we're we were top. definitely the better team. Yeah, so yeah. there was a, that superb turn from Bennett um, cross into the box and header um, from Leahy. There was another effort from Leahy long, not long after that. Um, in the first 20 minutes, um, we were, we were dominating and um, really restricted Rotherham um, from from um, from playing um, any football, and it's not really what you expected. You know, obviously we did really well against at home to them, yeah. um, and I expected, I you know this was a really big game for them, and I guess you know mentality is such a big thing in football. I was expecting a lot more from them, um, and then after yeah thirty six minutes, we finally got that gold we deserved. And Cottrell, you talk about their mentality, but I'll give Cottrell massive credit. He brought our lads out in exactly the right frame of mind to approach this game. Confident, carefree, you know, we, this was a free hit for us, wasn't it? And we played with a we played with an aban- with a sort of an abandon that we haven't had all season, Ollie. You know, just like last season when we kind of made ourselves safe, you know, and that kind of result that we had at Morecambe kind of made us safe, didn't it? Um 
we got rubbish. We kind of got on the beach. And what, again, just going a bit away from it, this was a sort of performance that showed that, actually, you know, we're not on the beach now. We want to finish this season really well, which feels a bit different to last season as well. So, um, yeah, in, in terms of that first 20 minutes, I just thought the application and the attitude was, was absolutely fantastic. The back three were amazing. It was quite a battle between their front two um, and our back three defenders. It was quite physical. Like, you could think there was going to be a flashpoint at some point, which obviously did happen a bit later on. But um, all the physicality they put on our back three, none of them flinched away from it. You know, Ebanks just loves it. Flanagan and Pennington stood up to some of the sort of challenges that were going in and, and bits and bobs. And, yeah, give give those three absolute masses of credit in that opening spell for, for one of the reasons that they unsettled Rotherham's front two. Yeah, back three were immense, weren't they? Rotherham are a really good side, um, and they are, but they are direct. You know, yep. if you, you know, in terms of style of play, then that's unfair. They they direct, they get the ball forward. Um, they are obviously very very effective what they do. Um, but yeah, the back three um, were were great in both in both ways, weren't they? But really yeah. good going forward, which we talked about in the last game. Um, I thought Pennington was really good going forward in this game as well. Um, but in terms of like yeah, key tackles um, and winning the ball, um, we were really really good and. I think also you know, against Rotherham, Rotherham got really good at set pieces. Um, and I think it says a lot that, you know, Ebanks and Flanagan didn't give away a foul in the game. That's how good they were. Um, and there was a few, I, I really remember one moment in the game where, you know, when there's those kind of like 50-50 balls in kind of obviously in obviously Ebanks area, which obviously can be a bit of a dangerous area in the centre of the, of, the of the back three. And he just absolutely nailed the tackle um, and mm. won it. Um, and yeah, in, in Chum did the game also, Ebanks blocked three shots. He was just on it, and he's really on form at the moment. We haven't talked about him a lot, and obviously we talk no. about Pennington and Flanagan because they're passing. I thought Ebanks was really good and really set the tone. He's a he's a I don't see him as a shouter in the game, um, no. but he's one of those kind of leaders through um through his um through his performances. Um, he was a really good performance from, and he's been good the last few weeks as well. I think it's fair to yeah. say. Yeah, he's been harsh. He's not made too many of our top threes, but it's because we've been better and someone's got to miss out, unfortunately. So he's maybe not got quite as many points in our man and sort of player of the season vote as he might have done. But um, I, I remember what stood out to me in the first half from Ebanks was the amount of, you know, I think they had three or four corners and it seemed like Ebanks won every single one of the headers for those. They didn't look yeah. like they were going to come close to scoring and he was remember imperious. We remember last season um, that we were petrified of, of set pieces. No, yeah, not anymore. Yeah. Yeah, we have a corner now. You used to literally tense up when you used to have a corner. Um, and now, <laughs> just yeah, it's really weird. Sometimes you just don't you forget about that. But yeah, we were always whinging about um, our, our defending the set pieces. But it really has improved this season. Yep, we're not conceding many from those. It doesn't feel like that anyway. And um, yeah, on top and. It was one of those games, yeah, so first 20 minutes we, we were sort of on top and I thought we got better as that period went on after 20 minutes. We kind of were, were, were on top, but just in slightly more of a, an on-top phase, if you want to say, um, as Rotherham kind of kind of, kind of of got annoyed with the, the way their start had gone. And yeah, I think the goal on 36 minutes was was incredibly fair and was due because we, we definitely deserved a goal for that opening 35 minutes. Um, and uh, yeah, and it was a, a very clinical finish from Ado Oli. Um, you can talk about what the goal was like in a second, but... Bloody clinical, something we complain about him being, but it was a really good finish, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an absolutely superb finish. Um, bit of an interesting odd goal actually in some ways because um, basically we take a throw and and Fournay tries to pass it back to Pennington, but he kind of messes up a little bit and he loses the ball. Um, or one of the Rotherman fielders takes the ball towards the centre spot, um, but then Fournay comes in and does a, a really really good slide tackle where the ball that comes was amazing. to Nurse, yeah. who drives forward. And Gundogan, we were obviously limiting um, the great pass from Flanagan. Really good, nice pass from Nurse, who plays it in at the perfect pace. And um, for a doe, he takes it in his stride. 
and really close to, close to the goalkeeper, but he just hits it early, and which is something the manager said he's been kind of trying to coach him and encourage him to do. Yep. And just smashed into the back of the net. And right. very much, very much, a, I'm maybe I don't know whether you thought this, Glenn, but very much a, what you might call a James Collins finish. That's a really good shout, yeah. Someone someone who you kind of backed more often than not to score from that angle. And um, yeah, a really good, controlled, clinical finish. You cannot be critical about it at all. And a good run into the box as well with that pace he has. The whole thing was amazing. That tackle, I've just remembered that tackle from Fauna as well. There was a massive like cheer from the crowd. Do you know what I mean? I, the crowd on Saturday were amazing. It was like every little thing that we did, it was a massive roar and a reaction to it because there's quite good acoustics at Rotherham. So um, that was good. And yeah, when the goal went in, it was really, really loud, um, really fantastic. And yeah, just a great moment. Shame that that goal was down the other end from us. So they didn't come to celebrate with us, but we'll, we'll get to the celebrations in front of fans um, in the second half. Um, and overall, just a, a great moment to us. But from that point onwards, the Rotherham fans, this is where they started to lose their mind, right? Because as soon as we went 1-0 up at 36 minutes, everything we tried to do, they just booed and like tried to make out we were time-wasting. This was another thing. I don't know if you picked up from watching it on telly. But like there was a point where we had a throw-in, like right on, like almost on our byline. And um, I think it was Pennington had the ball to throw it. And he kept like taking two steps forward and their fans would make a massive noise and the ref would be like, no, go back, go back. And then they did it again. And then, and then But all it caused was like a minute of delay for the throw-in <laughs> when when Pennington was just about to take it anyway. So it was almost like their moaning about our, our time-wasting made the time-wasting last longer. We did time-waste a little bit. Morosi was taking ages with goal kicks in the, in the first half. But yeah, it was one of those ones where it was like the more angry they got, the, wor- the worse the situation got for them. It was pretty uh, hilarious to watch to be honest with you. Yeah, it was. It was something that um, the, um, the, <laughs> the Rotherham um, commentators kept commenting on, um, talking about us being a little bit cheeky. Um, but they're the things that we've often um, complained about not doing, um, so I'm not going to complain about it to yeah. those teams that, you know, it's up to the referee to, to control that. And he mm-hmm. did a little bit, but you're right. Um, it was, um, yeah, it was, just play, it was just one of those, you know, it was one of those good away performances um, kind of tactics to do. Um, and you're right, Glenn. And I think it it kind of that kind of added to the atmosphere, didn't it? You know, you go to a place like Rotherham, you do want to you don't want to get them to score too early. Their fans get back on their side. Obviously, they were expected. You know, I'm sure a lot of them were talking about this game in the pub, and you know they haven't lost at home since September, playing against Shrewsbury. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of them are saying Shrewsbury shit. We'll beat them, um, and then obviously I yeah, didn't score, and then we scored, and then yeah, it just seemed to they seemed to yeah contribute to a. Um, I'm not sure what Rotherham fans would say about this, but I think they contributed to the game getting more difficult for their their team. Mm, that's for sure. I mean, it was also the sellout, to be honest with you. you know, there wasn't many spare seats when the game started, from, from what I could tell, other than a little patch on the right-hand side. But um, we emptied the stadium later on, which we'll come to. Um, and then, yeah, we had the flashpoint. As I was saying, there'd been this like there'd been a bit of niggle with a couple of challenges with other defenders, I said, when they'd been putting a bit of physicality into it. So I think I tweeted, there's going to be a flashpoint at some point. And on 38 minutes, there was a flashpoint. Um, on the day, I thought... <laughs> I thought Lee had done really well to get that guy sent off um, because it looked like the guy could clearly want a header and then just Lee fell over. That's what it looked like on the day. Um, I've seen the replay back and he kind of leans an elbow down into him, doesn't it? But um, I've seen, you know, I could see what it was given. But on the day, I was like, oh, that's handy. Um, thanks for that referee. But I'm not sure what it looked like on the first first bit, um, TV coverage we were watching, Ollie. Yeah, it was one of those ones where you're like, oh, it's hard to see what kind of happened. But yeah, he definitely yeah. went in with an elbow. Um, and you know we've been finding recent weeks for um, lack of control of players. Um, the ref, the player looked like he was going to try and you know go to head to head with the ref. Um, really poor Weird. kind of um, kind of self control from the player. I wouldn't be surprised if the FA find the club for that because oh, right. yeah, you get sent off and yeah he was their players had to push him back from the referee. I miss that. Uh, which is which is just really stupid. So and yeah it's you know they could have easily have come back in this game. You know there was a yeah. lot of game left to play. Um, 
And to do that um, was just absolutely daft. And I'm sure his teammates weren't very happy with him at all because um, obviously it wasn't a foregone conclusion there. You know, and we, as we know, you know, playing against 10 men is really tough. And you know, it wasn't a foregone conclusion at all, but he made it a lot more difficult for them. Um, yeah. yeah, very silly boy. As soon as he went off, I, I, I tweeted, surely we won't mess this up. Because <laughs> we've seen us do it before, haven't we? But to be fair, we saw the rest of that half out quite easy, I thought. We sort of passed the ball around the back a little bit and, um, yeah, ended the cor- ended the half, actually, with four corners all in a row. One of them created a pretty half-decent chance from one of them. And, um, you know, we kind of ended really on top on the, in the last two or three minutes of that half, but um, couldn't force it over the over the line for a second goal. And, um, yeah, half-time, everyone was chuffed around us. Um, we were just thinking, if we can get that second goal, second half, you'd imagine it'd be game over. And that's all we were really hoping for I don't think we saw a scoring three but um yeah that, that was it half time came and went and uh, we didn't quite start with the with the sort of blood and thunder we started the first half or how we ended the first half we were a little bit slower and more controlled in possession Ollie you know we were passing it around at the back a lot weren't we um but Rotherham didn't push us at all did they no no that was the tactic um, yeah. from from Steve Cottrell it was you know we're winning we're away from away from home they've got 10 men I mean, the onus is on them to come and um, kind of break us down. And obviously, you know, if you're playing against 10 men, as we have done, I mean, re- you know, recent weeks, you know, to sit back and defend is, is you know, kind of like almost like, you know, 101 for what you should do if you go into 10 men. Obviously, it's t- more difficult when you're losing. Mm. And yeah, it was really good. I thought I thought the defensive um, the play, the way we kind of used the ball in defence was, was really sensible. And, and this is when Steve Cottrell is absolute best. So talking to the club, he was asked about um, the red card and our style of play. And I won't try and paraphrase it because I won't do it justice. I'll go and go, if you got it, go and have a listen to what the manager has to say. But he's basically talking about how when, um, when, you're, when, you're, when you've got the opposition have a man down and you're winning as well, what you want to do is try and draw them out. So they weren't pressing at all, were they? Um, no. So they weren't pressing. And that basically meant that we were playing the ball around the back three. You know, Then eventually we'd kind of try and create some attacks. But well, then what they and obviously then what they were, we were waiting for them to do is to try and press us. And then I can't remember who the player was. He seemed to have kind of made a decision either to try and make a bit of hero for himself um, with the fans, or just because he was frustrated, tried to press us down. And then yep. when he started doing that, then he then they said they all started to try and press us. And then we just put the ball over the top, and yep. then then we would outnumber them in attack. And it was really really good explanation of this from Steve Kotcher about what we were doing. Um, and this is where I talk about their fans. Their fans were getting on the back of their players to try and press them. You can't press an opposition with 10 men effectively nope. and not leave gaps. So that's what they did. And then for them, by them pressing and trying to break us down, they, they played into our style of play. And we basically, were, basically then we just basically played counter-attacking football. It was, it, was, it was a very, very odd second half. And it's a half I'm sure that the manager, their manager was very frustrated by, but they played into our hands. Played counter-attacking football. It was fantastic for us. That's exactly how I saw it on the day as well. Like as soon as that happened, we controlled the game and would and counterattacked at will and looked like we were going to score every attack. We I, I've often talked about this season when we have scored a couple of goals, you know, you know, in games we've looked in the mood all of a sudden and every attack you think we're going to score. You know, Fleetwood away was one of those examples, wasn't it? And um, you know, we just look we look un, we are look unstoppable at times to be honest. With you. And from the moment that guy chased that ball down and got the crowd up. Um, the game changed back in our favour because they they'd done all right in that opening period of the first half. Um, sorry, second half, and and it turned back in our favour, and we were able to get more of the ball into the front two. Um, you know, as I say playing it over the top or playing it through the the gaps that they'd left pushing on, and it was it was perfect for us, absolutely perfect for us. And um, there was one chance we had just before we scored, wasn't there, where 
Bennett put another amazing cross in. Another one of these times when he should have got another assist this season. Um, Bowman header. Um, and then, yeah, it, it just uh, come off the keeper. And um, Vela tried to then get to the rebound. And the, and the, and the ball came off the keeper's uh, knees right in front of us. Right in front of us. It was really unlucky. And, um, yeah, so we were thinking, oh, let's not cough up too many more chances. You know, let's not miss too many like that. But it wasn't too much longer later when, um, yeah, when we scored the, the second goal. Yeah, a really, really nice goal as well. Um, so yeah, Pennington wins the ball and we counter-attack with, with Bennett. A um, little bit of messy play for Mado, um, but puts the ball over to Lee Hugh, um, who puts the ball to Bowman, who has a really, yep. really good shot. Unlucky, really good. Uh, Rotherham goalkeeper is a decent goalkeeper um, on most days. Um, certainly played well at home when we played them at home, didn't we? Um, he's probably the best yep. player on the pitch that day. And yeah, ball came to Bennett, who um, yeah, kind of got his just rewards for all the hard work he's been doing this season. He puts the ball into the back of the net, and um, yeah, two 0 up um, was fantastic. I'm sure you enjoyed that, Glenn. Yeah, I've actually got the audio, Ollie. I because it was a counter attack. I recorded it, the play building up, you know, like um, I normally do to put on Twitter. And um, yeah, a bit like when we played the audio in of that goal at Bristol Rovers in the Paul Hurst season, Ollie. I'll play the audio in of this. Yeah, that sounded really amazing, and uh, I particularly <laughs> enjoyed the celebration. Oh, it was good. Yes, is this? Yeah, is this? Well, which one was? Which one was that? Because the one later on is when uh, he, uh, Bowman got his pants pulled down. But oh not, yeah, it yeah. wasn't. I was yeah, I got it the most yeah. up. By apologies. But it was a good yeah. celebration right in front of the town yeah, fans. To be fair, good. everyone was giving big fist pumps and stuff. But um, yeah, the, the better celebration was the pants down one later on. I think, and um, yeah. that was it. Then it was just wave after wave. Yeah, it was. on the day. Yeah, and yeah, and I think it's kind of like you know. Mentally, um, we'd. I think they. I think they were physically and mentally exhausted, and maybe that's why they've kind of they're stuttering a little bit now, um, mm. because like Rathbone is one of the, their better players. Um, player yep. that you know, obviously, we're never going to get a chance to sign. But we we talked about in the summer uh, one of those free agents um, from Rochdale, a fantastic player, gets caught on the ball, and this happened quite a lot, didn't it? They got caught on the ball. Um, yep. Yeah, Vela gets the ball, passes to Lee, who forces a save from the keeper. Even Pennington got in the box and a shot wide. Yeah, um, and then in terms of you know we we talked about this in the last game, talking about Morosi and that shot save from Smith was fantastic. At a m- massive time in the game, you know, if they'd have got one back there, you could have seen the crowd, you know, get right behind them and, and make it a really difficult last fifteen minutes for us. But yep, Morosi, another fantastic save. Um, and then yeah, we finally, finally, finally saw the rest of the game out and put the game. <laughs> To bed um, in injury time, didn't we? And um, yeah, Flanagan with a lovely ball out to Bowman. Um, and then he just takes a nice touch, drives forward, sort of cuts in um, onto the right. Um, and then, yeah, sort of, I thought he was going to shoot. And then he kind of almost looked like he lost it. And then eventually just kind of steadied himself and smashed it home through the keeper, um, sort of above the keeper. I thought he could have done a bit better with that, but um, it was pretty sweetly struck. And yeah, there we go. Ran over to the town fans. At first, he sort of just stood in front of the town fans like, yeah, I've just done that, like in a kind of confident way. And then little Luke Leahy, Sneaks in front of him and pulls his pants down, doesn't he? Well, pulls his shorts down. <laughs> yeah, it was a really funny celebration. Um, yeah, Lee, he's definitely, um, I get the sense that he's a bit of a joker in the pack. Um, but yeah. yeah, he seems like a, a good player and yeah, fantastic. Actually, just talking of Lee, um, there's an analyst on Twitter um, called Henshaw um, and he um, did a um, top 10 um, midfielders in League One and Lee, he was third or fourth. 
Um, yeah, and that's I'm not surprised. Taking I saw that into today. Consideration all the stats of, of you know all the stat, key stats from midfielder. The fact that um, Lee, um, you know that was his first season playing central midfield, um, and this game and this week was just absolutely fantastic for him, wasn't it? You know, to get two assists, two goals on Tuesday night, and then to have another really super performance in this game. Um, I saw it's just worth just lamenting how, how how well he played. It was it was really good. Yeah, he's nailed down player of the season this week, if you want my opinion, Ollie. I don't think anyone's going to challenge him for it now. Um, so, yeah, that was really good. Is that Henschel, the guy that used to be our assistant? Like, uh, no, 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 no. no. Guy, the guy, the guy, that, that Henschel is now at, um, is, um, like quite fairly high up at recruitment at Aston Villa. So, yeah, great decision by Sam Rickers. <laughs> and I did record some audio of this goal as well, just to give you some context. You can hear a lot of people sh- shouting and screaming around me. It was really good, but you can, you can also hear my son going mental as well. So um, I'll play that one in now as well. I'm sure this brought a smile to your face, Clint, because um, Dave Edwards said he liked that. Yeah, so, so he did send me a message saying this is absolutely fantastic. Obviously, as we always say, Dave is a massive town fan, despite him being one of our players as well. But yeah, he's obviously a local lad, and um, I'm sure he probably would have wanted to be there with everybody celebrating on, on Saturday. But um, he probably had media commitments or something, Ollie. But um, it was amazing. It was just a oh, just a lovely cap to the game. 91 minutes. You, you just we were already literally like mocking anyone that was left in the stadium because um, we basically took a full Rotherham stadium to like half well almost completely empty with about six or seven minutes to go. Town fans were doing the old um, shoes up for Shrewsbury again, which went really well. Um, everyone's loved doing that. And um, yeah, it was just it was just a really nice way to end the game and, and just, just so nice to see everybody kind of leaving and us, everyone just cheering and chanting and celebrating for absolutely ages. So um, um, yeah, that, that was fine, really. So um, great, great celebration at the end. And then, yeah, obviously the game finished after 90, 91 minutes. We obviously had a couple more minutes, nothing really happening then. And um, yeah, just great celebrations in the end, Ollie. As I said, quite Hurst-esque in terms of that kind of every single person in the stadium st- stood and stayed to clap them off. I didn't really see too many people sneaking out early. Um, and yeah, just amazing, amazing, amazing day, amazing result. I'm still absolutely buzzing about it, you know, over 24 hours later, despite having cycled 50 miles today, I'm still got a massive smile on my face. And that's what's all about in it, Ollie. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, as we said at the start, one of the best weeks we've had for a long, long time. And yeah, yeah thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. And, and also fully deserved as well. You know, it's not like we were, we had two wins and we kind of fluked them. I mean, it was no. two comprehensive victories. Um, performance. Yeah, everything. really, really good performances. Um, and yeah, two clean sheets as well. So, you know, it's positive in, in so many, um, so many different aspects. And yeah, really sets us up for an exciting, um, enjoyable end to the season. Hopefully we can push hopefully. up into a decent position and um, really sets us up, hopefully, for something maybe we can build on here. Um, we would be classic yep. Shrewsbury to, to, yeah, to make, yeah, one step forward and two step back. But fingers crossed <laughs> we, can, we can carry on pushing on to the end of the season. 
Yeah, give it a go, lads. Come on, we're, we're right behind you now, so um, let's finish this season really well. Although, Karma did bite back, you know. I can't have too many good things, having seen my team score eight goals in a week, not concede a goal and, and go away to the league leaders and save ourselves for the season because uh, I took the kids back. We went over the, the sort of peak district on the way back because I like to break the journey up a little bit and it was quite a lovely day on Saturday, wasn't it? Really sunny, really warm. I said yeah. I'll take the kids to the top of the mountains and we'll take some photos up there, which they, they enjoyed. And then we eventually wound our way back into Stoke um, when we got to the other side. Went to a McDonald's, um, Picked it up, waited ages behind all the bloody just eat people. I hate that at McDonald's. Um, anyway, but walking out to the car, tripped on a curb and fell entirely on the entire McDonald's I bought and cr- crushed. The only thing that broke my fall and probably saved me from breaking my arm was a, a couple of double bacon cheeseburgers under my knee. I think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, not 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 the best way to end Are the you day. <laughs> I am pretty bruised. I've got massive cuts all over my arms and hands. And um, yeah, I, uh, I, the poor kids were, are you all right, Dad? I was just like, lying in a little car park in Stoke after a huge town win, looking for, some, looking for some help. But I had an, I had enough in me to drive home and uh, <laughs> went went out of shower and see, see whether I was in one piece. So um, there you go. We, I can't ever have just one good thing, can I? Something, something bad's always going to happen, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, sorry to hear that, Glenn. Hopefully you'll be okay soon. But um, yeah, I'll, I'm sure, I'll sure, live. Sure, sure it didn't ruin your day for you. So yeah, no, in terms of top three, um, for me, um, yeah, for me, I went for um, Fornau and Bennett and Ado, uh, which is actually the same as you, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Fauna was amazing. We, we didn't mention him too much. I mentioned him more in the first game, but yeah, just mature performance again. I, I massive, massive Ben Godfrey vibes watching him on Saturday. He was, and that's a testament to how good he played on Saturday, Ollie, um, away at the league leaders. He was controlled and composed and had every single thing in this game that Ben Godfrey had for us when he played for us. So um, I thought that was a really good comparison. But Bennett, I, I, I feel bad not giving him out of the match. And he should, he should have so many assists this season. I've been saying this over the last few weeks. He's an absolutely unbelievable player at our level. And just and maybe started a little I still keep thinking that everyone, loads of people were being critical of him. I was like, give him a chance. He's only young lad. He just signed for us, and yeah, what a, what a shrewd signing it's been for him, for him, for, yep. for by for, um, as well. Yeah, and a dope third place. It, it was it was live wire, all action. Um, yeah, I thought it was going to be just to give a bit of balance. I thought he was actually started the game really poorly. He kept giving the ball away, um, and then he got booked for kicking the ball away, which is a bit daft. Um, but then after, but when he scored that goal, and after that, he was really, really good. Um, and it's just that inconsistency, isn't it, with Ado? Um, if he wants to, you know, you know, if he wants to, um, yeah, stay in the team next season, and hopefully maybe recruit a few more players, he's got to be really consistent. Um, and yep. that's that's his big challenge now, isn't it? He's starting to get the goals now, and sometimes yep. he can be absolutely unplayable. Um, and his big challenge now is to be trying being consistent for the whole ninety minutes, which is obviously a tall order. But I'm sure that's the kind of thing that Steve Gotra is talking to him. True, and he's not just in my top three for the goal on Saturday. I thought his overall play was better. So, sorry, it was good. Um, I can't say better than Tuesday night because he was also good then. But um, yeah, the sort of level you want him to be playing at, one in every three games rather than one in every eight or something like that. So um, we'll see what next season brings for him. And he's obviously got his chance to go above Faye, like we said before, and, and be one of our top goal scorers in League One. So that's fine. Um, just run us through the cultural comments, Ollie, and then I've got one question for you before we move on to a few salad news things. Yep. So um, so yeah, in terms of you know, he says very good starts the game, and yeah, basically yeah, um, he's interestingly commented on their fans as well. How they kind of appeal everything um and yeah yeah he's you know in terms of he was really good so it's really really frustrating I, I don't know what the club do because the club have now as we said started doing it where they ask him questions first which obviously goes on the club media but then but then steve then steve Codger has to be interviewed by Stu dunn so Stu dunn and the t- all the team are waiting there for like three minutes or so where they ask him a load of questions but they always ask him the most obvious questions so then 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 Stu dunn has to go 
And I thought Steve Cottrell was absolutely superb in his post-match interview. I thought he was really insightful and really engaging. And we saw like the Steve Cottrell we, we love to see, the, you know, the one that we were um, so happy to hear last season, you know, the start of last, you know, last season, not last yeah, season, sorry. Yeah, last right. season when yeah. he took over, yeah, and he was really good. And then he gets interviewed by Stu Dunn after he's already answered the same questions. And it's, you know, it's just, a, I don't know, I just don't think it really works. But anyway. No. Um, but I just don't think it really helps because the, what we want, obviously, you know, the Steve, you want to see the best Steve Cottrell being heard by, you know, most of the fans. And most of the fans will listen to BBC Shropshire. But anyway, a bit of a, a random rant from me, perhaps. But yeah, I don't yeah, think I don't it get helps it. Steve and his no. um, kind of relationship with the fans. But yeah, he talked about, obviously, red card, should have been a red card. Um, and yeah, you know, basically, yeah, he talked about the tactics I've mentioned already. Um, and then, yeah, there was a really interesting question from, I don't know if it was a local reporter or a national um, press, but asked him about about him and the team. And he was talking about changing the culture, um, about how it's it's not okay to get beat, about being prepared, being professional on their diet. Um, and he's really insightful. You know, he's almost, he was telling us stuff that was stuff that was almost maybe wrong. Well, I think it's fair to say was wrong with the team, that they were happy to lose. You know, we didn't look after themselves on the day off. Um, and yeah, you know, we've got a good bunch of professionals here. Um, and also leaders as well, um, which, you know, we talked about this loads of times, haven't we? What make, what's going to make the change from this kind of, you know, do well, crafts, go crap, sack a manager, do well, do crap, sack a manager. Um, and, and it seems like one of the things that Steve Cotter is really working on is, is the culture of the playing staff. Well, fingers crossed it pays dividends as we go through the rest of this season and um, into next year. I'd like nothing more than to not have to get to November next year, struggling at the bottom of the division and thinking about is Steve Cock to the man to take us forward. But um, who knows? We'll have to wait and see, Ollie. Um, but yeah, that was good. My question I had for you, Ollie, um, was like a lot of people were saying, you know, this has been one of the best weeks as a Shoe fan for quite a long time. I think a lot of people thought back to the Paul Hurst season and think, yeah, we had some really good back-to-back victories those seasons, but they were all really close victories. You know what I mean? They were all like 2-1, 1-1. Obviously, we had the 4-0 at Bristol Rovers, didn't we? In between the the Hurst season and now, we've never had a week like this. You know, we've had a couple of good cup victories and stuff, but we've never had a league week like this. And I don't know, how how far back do you think you need to go to think that, you know, you've had as good a week in in the Football League as this, Ollie? Oh, it's got to be the Paul Hurst season, hasn't it, really? To be honest. You reckon? I can't think... Maybe obviously you touched on it, didn't you? About the when that when Steve Cotter got manager of the month in November, um, twenty twenty, um, yeah. which was good. But we they, weren't they, there. They, they they were one nil away wins. Um, yeah. Obviously that was in we the COVID there. season as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that to me it kind of rules out that COVID period because we weren't there. You know, it didn't feel as as good. And, and I know a lot of town fans were not at the game on Saturday. I'm not. I'm not daft. We only take four hundred away games. Even when we're doing really well, we don't take too many more, do we, I suppose? But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I, maybe I'm talking on my behalf and I shouldn't say it's the best since and that's definitive. I'm, I'm saying for me, of having been at two games this week, I guess, because, like, I can't, like, the, the Hurst seasons were different. They were amazing for the wins that we got. They weren't, like, and we always played really well in those games, but they were always tight and they were always, like, getting over the line with a couple of last-minute goals and bits and bobs and stuff. And But if I think back to that that week I mentioned before in 2011 when we won at Northampton then we beat Nor- and then we beat Morecambe and we were basically on our way to promotion um you know that that seems to be another kind of good analogy to to what happened this week really not not the same because we're not going for promotion but yeah it's interesting there's not been many many really really good weeks outside of the poor Hurst season um as far back as 2011 really as good as this so um yeah just trying to give it a bit of context really because I, I suppose it matters on what you define as good um is it the result or is it just the performance or is it a mixture of both or the the way we did something or the nature of the victory there's a lot of things to add into it but that was i may look at this a bit more tomorrow but that was my th- first thought really going back to that that 7-2 win and that week we had there 
Yeah, no, that was a good week. That was a, it was a very mm, enjoyable very week. Um, very so you had a question for my brother, actually. He was just messaging me um, on Saturday. And and I think you're going to come into it as well, Glenn. But like, what do you think was the difference on these two games versus other weeks? I think there's been a... Yeah, I think there's been a difference in... I think you can go back as far as that Rotherham game <coughs> um, at home, where... Obviously, we beat Burton. We didn't have a great amount of shots in that game, but we beat Burton and they were poor. That was a poor game and they were poor. But from that game, I think we've gained confidence from that win at Burton would be what I think's happened in these last few weeks. And obviously, you know, we've played Rotherham at home um, and, and that confidence has gained us an ability to have a bit more control in games, a bit more football, and we've been shooting more, Ollie. So I looked at the shots we've been having, right? Over that bad period, you know, we didn't win any of those games over Christmas time, really. We were having like four shots a game, nine shots, nine shots, two shots, six shots, eight shots, seven shots at Burton. But from Rotherham onwards, we had 14 versus Rotherham, 21 versus Cambridge, 13 versus Oxford, 14 versus Morecambe, and 18 versus Rotherham. At the end of the day, you're going to score more goals if you've got more control and you're having a few more shots. And to me, I think that maybe is a big part of it. Confidence uh, has definitely changed since that Burton game. We've been better. We've had good performances in all five of those games. And I think that then has culminated, particularly in the results this week, where we finally did what we've been threatening to do, like at Cambridge and, and, and against Oxford. And I think maybe that's where, where I'd come at it from, Ollie. Yeah, I think that's a fair line to draw. Obviously, it's a win as well. Obviously, we haven't won for a while, quite a long time. Yep. Um, and I think also the Burton game is interesting to us because we won, but we didn't really play that well. Obviously, I'm not saying we didn't deserve to win, but we, no, we didn't blow the doors off, did we? And then against Rotherham, no. as you say, first half not so good. But the second half against Rotherham was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. And I, for me, like going back to the question of my brother, what was the difference? And it's a very simple answer. We took our chances. The strikers, mm. midfielders took the chance that we had and it's simply finishing. You know, I think that's the big thing. I think you yeah. talk about creating chances and all that kind of stuff. But for me, I think, you know, the, the you know, we could say now that probably a Doe and Boma are in a bit of form. Yep. And it's so important to the way how we play and to obviously any team really, you know, to have um, to have strikers who are um in, 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 in good form. And for, yeah, so it's a quite a simple answer really. But um yeah, goal scoring. Our shots on target five-game rolling average, Ollie, is 6.2. We are currently averaging over the last five games 6.2 shots on target a game, right? Um, during that bad run, it was as low as 2.2. Um, and at most other points this season, it's been about three. Again, just another marker, really, of that last five games and how we've picked up the amount of shots on target we've been having. And just fundamentally, you know, if your strikers are getting more shots on target, they are going to score more. And then more chances they get, the more they score, the more their confidence gets up. And I think it just builds, doesn't it? And so there's definitely, you know, you can draw a really simple line on a graph. Um, I'll probably put up on Twitter tomorrow of where that changed around and we started having more shots and more shots on target. It's it's clear as day in the statistics. So. Um, yeah, there we go. I think I would hang my hat on that, but I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, I think that's a, that's a fair point as well. So that's fine. Why has it changed around? You know, we're just glad it has, Ollie. Um, <laughs> but there was some other news this week, Ollie. Um, international call ups. So Flanagan call up for the Irish team, Pierre for Grenada, and then Callum Wilson, the youth player, called up for Northern Ireland. So yeah, a couple of couple of uh, international um, call-ups. Obviously, we've had the Grenada ones, but it's not often we've had three players called up for three different national teams, is it? I know Callum Wilson's under-21s, but um, yeah, still impressive. Under-18s. Under-18s, sorry, yeah. Still yeah, impressive, it's, though, isn't it, Ollie? Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, yeah, it's obviously yeah, it's good um, to see those guys. I also saw Norburn got called up as well for Grenada. Um, oh, did he? So yeah, interesting. But um, yeah, it's it's good to see. Um, good to see. That obviously, I mean, a couple of youngsters come through as well. Youngsters as well coming through and getting called up. Um, so yeah. that's um, that's positive. 
Good stuff. And there was a couple of last things we just would talk about normally on a quiet day. Uh, I don't care. This podcast's gone long, Ollie. It's been one of the most fun ones to do for a very long time uh, as, a, as a host of a podcast on Shrewsbury Town. Andy Cook is now um, installed seemingly as um, co-commentary on Radio Shropshire, which from obviously I've been at the last two games, Ollie. I've not listened to his co-commentary, but appears to have been very well received by the fans in general that I've been reading about. And um, something I and me and you, probably both of us, had talked about a lot, hadn't we, on... on um, the podcast since we started doing this in 2015 about how we remember the Steve Cross days and having a an ex-pro on co-commentary alongside well, yeah, Steve I, was, I was listening to it on Tuesday night and yeah, he just, you know, I, I do like Mark Kelly. I think he, he brings a lot to the table, but yeah, there's yeah. just something that a little bit about a pro um, just brings that a little bit of extra edge in terms of, you know, obviously understanding dressing rooms and all the kind of player dynamics and all that kind of stuff. But also I thought some of his um, tactical insights was really good as well. Um, quite Great. a few times, you know, it's you know, sometimes there can be games where you don't really learn too much from listening to the co-coms and and, and the commentary, um, but definitely heard a few interesting snippets from um, from Cookie and clearly, obviously, um, it's been a great move because um, yeah, since he's he's been um, on co-coms, <laughs> um, we've got hundred percent record um, and scored eight goals. I know exactly. To be fair, and as I say, you know, I think Radio Shropshire are starting to make changes. We bits and bobs here and there, aren't they? You know, it's yeah. it's definitely a different show when you listen to it now than it was maybe at the start of the season. And um, yeah, as we talked about the other day, the elimination of music from that show has has made it a lot better. But um, it's a bit weird because like obviously it was my big bugbear during COVID when I was listening to it every week, and now I'm up games most pretty much every week. So not listening to it quite as much, but you're keeping up with it, Ollie. So that's all good. Um, and then I just was going to point one thing out to you, here, Ollie. So we took we we obviously on a super positive pod here today, aren't we, mate? You know, not been too many of those over the course of this season or maybe since the her season but um we obviously had a long discussion and, and had a few podcasts about what would happen post covid didn't we do you remember we had that sort of round table discussion pod we did um as covid was kicking off and and everything was shutting down and i think one of the big concerns probably a big concern from most football clubs is what would happen to fans would they want to go back to the football would they think it's safe etc etc would it put people off once you stop going would it be able to get them back and we're getting towards you know three or four home games left now and it's pretty clear that our attendances post-covid are exactly the same as they were pre-covid so before the shutdown that season before the covid shutdown we were averaging 6058 fans and so far this season um we're averaging 5926 so it's about 70 down which is here or there pretty much nothing and i just thought you know as we're looking at positives going forward and what we can do next season the fact our crowds are pretty much held up to an average of 6000 at home um each week is is a good good positive thing to look forward to for next season in terms of the money coming in isn't it yeah, it's really good. It's really encouraging, isn't it, that the, the, the fans have kind of stuck with the team and, um, yeah, fingers crossed we yeah. can kind of build on that a little bit of momentum as we get into the, the latter stages as well. So, yeah, all good. And, um, yeah, lots of lots of things to be um, really happy about um, as a Trusby fan um, at the moment. And we could lose to Lincoln next week, then, yeah? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully not. We'll be back with a, another pod next week covering Lincoln. Um, it's a one-game week, isn't it, I think, off the top of my head. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back next week covering town, as usual. And, yeah, keep the smile on your face, town fans. That was a grand week and one that we will remember for quite a while, I think. So, um, yeah, enjoy your week and we'll catch you next Sunday. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>